Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1, the book of Matthew chapter number 1. And I've enjoyed Christmas at Rosedale. Every single sermon, every single preacher that preached, how God knitted the messages together and placed them in our heart, uh, the singing, the concert, the activities. Uh, and we're right about in the middle of Christmas uh, at Rosedale. And of course, it's going to culminate on Christmas Eve. Can't wait for that. Uh, going to be a great service. Looking forward to that. Uh, even our Christmas gift for Jesus offering. Uh, I love where it's dedicated. Uh, that, that kid city uh, renovating our children's wing, renovating our children's uh, area. Uh, can't wait to get started on that uh, and see how many kids are impacted uh, by that. And so uh, be a part of the Christmas gift for Jesus offering. Of course, remember that Christmas is a time of giving. Christmas is a time of sharing. Uh, and as you can tell, Charlie and Jack have had a cold recently and they gave and they shared. Uh, and so I'm struggling with that. And so listen carefully if you would. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter one. Let's look at it. In Matthew one, it's the first words from God uh, for 400 years. Uh, the intertestamental period, the silence uh, would have been deafening. Uh, in this first chapter, the first words of God are, are the lineage of Christ, uh, the genealogy of Christ. Look at it in verse number one. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah uh, and his brethren, and then name after name after name uh, after name till verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born, say it with me, Jesus who is called Christ. Say it again. Jesus who is called Christ. Uh, it's his family tree. Uh, it's his genealogy. It's his lineage. It's almost a family portrait introducing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so put down that first heading. Put down the lineage of his family tree. The lineage of his family tree. Look at verse number three. Uh, and Judah begat Pharaz and Zerah of Tamar. Uh, and Pharaz begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. Uh, and, and so it's Judah and Pharaz and Zerah and Tamar. He's one of the branches uh, in this family tree. He's one of the people that God hand-selected to put in that family portrait. Uh, now, uh, we're going to look at Genesis 38 because I want to just talk a little bit about who these guys are. Uh, this first one, Judah Tamar. Judah Tamar. Uh, and the reason we're going to look at Genesis 38 uh, to show you is because you wouldn't believe me if I just said it. Uh, and so Judah is Tamar's father-in-law. Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law. Uh, Tamar was married to uh, one of Judah's sons by the name of Ur. Ur was wicked and he died early before children. Uh, according to the law, the next oldest boy was to marry. It's kind of a weird law. Uh, next oldest boy was to marry and bear children by uh, that widow left by his older brother. And of course, that's uh, Onan. And Onan refused to bear children. He died. 
Uh, and then Judah, who was tired of losing his boys, uh, decided to hold off, and Tamar decided to take things into her own hands. Look at it in verse number 13. Genesis 38, verse number 13. Uh, and it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. Uh, and she put her widow's garments off from her, taking matters into her own hands, covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. When Judah, her father-in-law, saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? They negotiated a price for pleasure. Uh, in some places, that would be called prostitution. In fact, uh, in every place, that would be called prostitution. Uh, and so he was going to give her cattle. He didn't have it with him. So uh, he gave her his ring, his bracelets, and his, his staff. Verse 18, he gave it to her and came in unto her. She conceived by him. 21, she's called a harlot. 22, she's referred to as a harlot. Why, she was a mess. Would anybody agree? Uh, and he was messed up. Look at 24. Uh, and it came to pass about... Three months later that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. And also, behold, she's with child by whoredom. And Judah furiously said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. Well, the interaction was great because uh, she came obviously pregnant, obviously with child. Uh, and here Judah is wanting to kill her. Uh, and she says, well, the father of the baby is the one that gave me this ring and these bracelets uh, and this staff. Do you recognize him, Judah? Uh, and of course he did. He backed off. And then in 27, it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. 29, the older named Pharez, 30, the younger was called Zerah. Uh, and God said, I want that gnarly, broken branch to be in my family tree. Boy, I want that deformed, uh, kind of a crooked branch to be a part of, uh, of my family uh, tree. Verse 3, uh, he said, Judah begat Pharez and Zerah uh, of Tamar. Uh, put down number one, if you will. God's grace, the lineage of his family tree, God's grace included Judah and Tamar's regretful seduction. Judah and Tamar's regretful seduction. Boy, if you've ever had a real Christmas tree, uh, one of the keys to having a real Christmas tree is turning the broken branches to the back. Uh, trying to get rid of the gaps, trying to hide the holes. Uh, you want to make sure the front of that tree, that best part of the tree, uh, is facing out. Uh, and understand, God said, no, it's a real tree. Uh, my family tree, every broken branch and all. And my grace includes Judah and Tamar's regretful seduction. Uh, it's interesting, the next one. In fact, look at it, verse number uh, 3. And Judah begat Pharez and Zerah of Tamar. And uh, Pharez begat Ezram. And Ezram begat Aram. And uh, Aram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat uh, Nason. Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat uh, Boaz of Rahab. Rahab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Ruth, a Gentile, right up here. Uh, that in and of itself 
She wasn't of the Hebrew heritage. And so for God to reach over and grab a Gentile, uh, Ruth, and say, I want her in my family tree, that broken branch. But I think the one that's more shocking than that is the one above that, Rahab, Rahab, not the religious. Uh, Rahab, uh, Rahab, not the reputable. Rahab, the harlot. In fact, Uh, The first time we're introduced to her is in Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house, a harlot's house named Rahab. Boy, before we get her name, we we see her nature. Before we even get her name, it's not about Rahab. It's about a harlot by the name of Rahab. It's interesting, six out of the eight times that Rahab is mentioned in the Bible, God calls her Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. After about the second time, I'd say, God, can you drop the... Anyway, uh, Rahab the harlot, Joshua 6, 17. Rahab the harlot, Joshua 6, 25. Rahab the harlot, Hebrews 11.31. Rahab the harlot, James 2.25. Well, apparently, a prostitute, her house was in the wall of the city where a brothel would be. Men coming back from the fields would stop there immorally. And God says, not only am I going to add Judah and Tamar to my family tree, I'm going to add, number two, write it down, Rahab's regret, reproachful stain. It's Judah and Tamar's regretful seduction. It's Rahab's reproachful stain. Uh, That stain of immorality, that stain uh, of adultery. You say, Pastor, why would you call it a stain? Because over and over and over again, she's tagged with that name, Rahab the harlot. Uh, I had to look up uh, the book, The Scarlet Letter. Uh, Has anyone ever heard of the book, The Scarlet Letter? Nathaniel Hawthorne, and uh, the Scarlet Letter was a big A, uh, designating she had committed adultery. Uh, the only thing I think about when I think of the Scarlet Letter is Laverne and Shirley, the L that she had on all her sweaters, uh, and that big L. Hey, here it wasn't an A or an L. Uh, it was God saying it's Rahab the harlot, Rahab uh, the harlot, uh, and God who hand-selected her, uh, God who hand-picked Every single branch of that tree, uh, every single name in that list, he included the ones he wanted, he excluded the ones he wanted. Boy, are we getting the idea that that there's no perfect branches in that tree? Uh, There's no perfect, pristine. He didn't try to get rid of the gaps. Uh, He didn't try to hide the holes. Uh, He didn't try to airbrush the airs, but he wanted a real tree. Every broke and branch and all. Well, uh, we continue after Judah and Tamar's uh, regretful seduction. God says, I want them in my family tree. Uh, And then we see uh, Rahab's reproachful stain, and God says, hey, I want them in my family tree. Uh, As we turn that tree and try to find a good side, uh, we find there's no good side because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, Every one of us is a broken branch. 
But the next one, look at it, we're uh, in verse 3 and then in verse 4 and 5, when uh, Rahab and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and uh, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. Now look how he words it. And David the king begat Solomon, look at it, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. It's almost as if he changes the wording to stop us in our tracks and help us realize David doesn't have merits, David has murder. David wasn't a man of merit. Hey, David was a man of murder. And of course, we understand the story about David and Bathsheba. We know that story about uh, how it was the time that men were to go to war. Kings were. Uh, he stayed home, and on the roof of his house, he knew the line of sight. He uh, looked down, saw Bathsheba bathing, and uh, that moment in time, that moment in time, where he called for her, uh, he brought her uh, to himself. Uh, with his position, almost forced her. Uh, but, but it seems like it was a momentary indiscretion uh, until she was pregnant. Uh, and then he called Uriah, her husband, to come back and tried to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, his wife. But he was more honorable. He wouldn't sleep under the roof of his house while his men were uh, uh, in, in, uh, under the stars at war for Israel. And so David finally wrote a letter to Joab, his general, and said, place Uriah in the hottest battle, the front line of the hottest battle, and then pull all of your men away and leave Uriah there by himself to be killed by the enemy. It's interesting that, that David had such confidence in Uriah, he placed his own death warrant in uh, Uriah's own hand to carry that thing. He knew Uriah wouldn't look at it. He took that to Joab. Joab put him in the front of the battle, uh, and Uriah was killed. Look how God words it. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Put down number three, the, the next broken branch. Uh, again, we're trying to uh, find the, the, the best side. There's no best side. Uh, and God includes David's royal scandal. David's royal scandal. Uh, again, it's not just the adultery here, though that's bad enough. But it's the murder here that God highlights uh, here. Uh, and God's saying, boy, I want Judah and Tamar in that tree. I want Rahab in that tree. I want David, even with his murder, uh, in that tree. Would anybody agree there's quite a few gaps in that tree? Christ's family tree, that first Christmas tree. Uh, there's quite a few gnarly, broken branches uh, in that tree. He doesn't replace them with plastic branches, but he keeps them warts and all, warts and all. Uh, and as you spin that family tree, that first Christmas tree, you see broken branch after broken branch after broken branch. Put down number four, others wide range of sins. Uh, it's not just Judah and Tamar's uh, regretful seduction. It's not just Rahab's uh, reproachful stain. It's not just David's uh, royal scandal. God says, hey, I want them in my family. I want them in my genealogy. I want the first thing for people to see uh, after 400 years of silence uh, from the Word of God, the first thing they see in the New Testament it is God's grace is big enough to reach us. By others' wide range of sins. 
Verse 2, there's Jacob the deceiver. Verse 3, Tamar. Verse 5, Rahab. Verse 6, David, scandal. Verse 7, Solomon the polygamist. Uh, Verse 7, Rehoboam the tyrant that split the kingdom. Verse 8, a couple more corrupt kings. Verse 10, Manasseh the idolater that led Israel astray. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And at first glance, there's a couple corrupt characters here in this first Christmas tree. Uh, There's a couple polluted people, uh, misplaced people in this passage. But we'd see that, but upon further review, you're going to see person after person after person with horrendous pasts. Uh, Some that rival and even outpace ours. And God's saying, I don't care what your past is like. God's saying, I don't care how far you feel you've fallen. I don't care how unforgivable you feel. I don't care. You fit in my family. You fit in my family. That first Christmas tree, broken branch after broken branch. The first words in the New Testament after 400 years was, this is my family. These are the ones I've chosen to be a part of my lineage. Even before Christ was born, God was saying, he's going to be a friend of publicans and sinners. Even before Christ was born, God was saying, oh yes, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And you say, well, what does God do with a tree like that? Uh, Charlie Brown's tree was terrible, wasn't it, Charlie Brown's tree? Uh, I think only uh, worse, uh, the only worse Christmas tree would have been this tree. Uh, what does God do with that? A tree that's uh, just deformed, a tree that uh, is missing branches, a tree that's gnarly and just uh, out of skew. Boy, he tinsels it in his grace. He covers it in fresh snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You ever see a tree that's broken and bent, deformed, kind of gnarly branches just going every which way? But then after it snows overnight, you go by that same tree, and you don't see the broken branches. You see the whiteness and the beauty of that snow. Uh, you don't see how, how uh, misshaped it is, how, how uh, broken and bent uh, it is. Uh, all you see is that fresh, fallen snow. And God says, though your sins be as scarlet, though your sins be as scarlet, Tamar and Judah and Rahab and David and uh, Manasseh, though your sins be as scarlet. Well, that's the lineage uh, of Christ's family tree. Uh, and we could keep going Uh, After that, uh, person after verse after line, person after verse after line. Uh, But I want to stop before my voice stops and give you some lessons uh, from this family tree. Write it down, if you will. We saw the lineage, uh, the lineage of this family tree, the lineage. Uh, But now the lessons, the lessons uh, from this family tree. Put down first. Uh, This is what Christmas is all about. God's with us. God loves us. God's forgiven us. It's what Christmas is all about. God's with us. God loves us. 
God's forgiven us. Uh, And the lessons from this family tree, right now, number one, grace includes them in his family. Uh, Or grace includes us in his family. Uh, Before you say, I'm not as bad as they are, but for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. Well, I don't even know what to call Judah and Tamar's dysfunctional family, but for the grace of God. And God's grace includes them. God's grace, he chose them. He hand-selected them. He included them, excluded others, where some would try to, uh, those family portraits, would try to hide the town drunk, and uh, some would try to uh, hide and embellish that, 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 that felon of a family member. Not God. God. God put him right up front and center to magnify his mercy and his grace uh, and his love uh, so that we would realize God's grace includes us. God went out of his way uh, to include some uh, incredibly uh, vile uh, actions and incredibly uh, sinful people so that we would realize. If I take a good look at that family portrait of Jesus Christ, that that first, chapter 1, that family portrait of Jesus Christ, uh, he holds it up proudly. Uh, He holds it up proudly. The first words in the New Testament, hey, these are my people. This is my family. Uh, And he says, I love them. These are my my people, ordinary people and extraordinarily sinful people. Some uh, no-name people and some infamously corrupt people. Some stumbling and bumbling and and very fallen people. And God says, these are my people. These are my people. By 1 John 3, 1 is capitalized in my mind when John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. That He would include us in that family portrait, uh, that he would want us to to be a part of his family. Uh, Oswald Chambers put it this way, it doesn't matter who or what we are, there's absolute reinstatement into God's family by the death of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 2, Jesus said, I'm not ashamed to call them brethren. Hebrews 11 God's not ashamed to be called our God. Well, he's keeping it real this morning. In Matthew chapter 1, the first thing you see is Judah and Tamar. First thing you see is Rahab and Ruth. First thing you see is David and Manasseh. And God says, those are the kind of people my family is made up of. I like the fact that he doesn't try to... to to, uh, uh, okay, I, uh, there was a new dad and uh, his wife would take a daily picture of herself and his uh, daughter, uh, a, a daily picture, a daily picture, a daily picture. And I, I said, wow, they take great pictures. They're beautiful, perfect, great pictures. And then off to the side, he said, well, uh, you know they use faith, Facebook filters for those photos. Uh, Facebook filters, which uh, puts a glow on, that, that softens the sharp edges, that, 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 that makes that picture even more pretty. Hey, God doesn't edit his photo here in Matthew chapter 1. 
God doesn't do plastic surgery on, on imperfections and, and liposuction and, and body sculpt. No, God doesn't do that. He puts them in warts and blemishes and all so that we'd realize that, that warts and blemishes and all, God wants me to be a part of his family. God wants me to, to be a part of that family portrait. He doesn't put the broken branches in the back. He didn't try to airbrush the errors and get rid of the gaps and try to hide the holes. Put down, uh, say it with me, number one, grace includes them in his family. Say it with me. Grace includes them in his family. Turn it to us. Grace includes us in his family. Rahab the harlot, you fit in my family. Uh, Tamar, uh, incredibly uh, wrong action. Hey, you fit in my family. Uh, David, that murder, uh, you fit in my family. Uh, and God would say to you today, I have a place for you at my table. I have a place for you in my heart. I want you to be a part of that, that family portrait that's ever growing every time someone bows their head uh, and trusts Christ as their Savior. Now, number two, uh, lessons from this family tree. Number one, Grace includes them in his family. Number two, grace involves them in his ministry. Or if you want to personalize it, grace involves us in his ministry. Involves us. Hey, when God had a book of songs to write, uh, he didn't find someone that was impeccable. Uh, he found a murderer by the name of David. When God wanted someone to help steer the spies, to, to know the way through Canaan, uh, he didn't have someone that, that had credentials. Uh, he found Rahab the harlot. But God's grace included her. God's grace involved her. By the way, uh, maybe the most important sermon ever preached, uh, that sermon at Pentecost, I, I wonder which disciple... Apostle, the Lord's going to choose to, to preach Pentecost. It's got to be someone. Maybe the Apostle John, who, who had his head on the chest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, maybe it's him. No, no, no. He chooses Simon Peter, who just several weeks ago denied him three times. Aren't you glad grace includes us in his family? Aren't you glad grace involves us in his ministry? Uh, even the greatest church planner, the greatest missionary of all time, uh, possibly the greatest witness, bright shining light of Paul. Paul wasn't perfect. In fact, Paul would call himself a blasphemer, injurious, a, a persecutor. But God put me in the ministry God put me in the ministry. Uh, his grace was exceeding abundant. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, How be it for this cause? Uh, how be it for this cause obtained mercy? I uh, obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern, for an example, for a model, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He's basically saying, if I can include him, I can include you. If I can use them, I can use you. God 
can use me too. Like Stephen said Wednesday night, that God hath chosen the foolish things, the weak things, the base things, the despised things, the things that are not, so that no flesh would glory in his presence. But he chose broken branches. He chose crooked sticks to use gnarly, gnarly branches. But he chose those. What a gracious God we serve. It's his grace that includes us in his family. No broken branches in the back, he'd say, hey, front and center. Uh, No hiding the holes in the back, he'd say, no, I want to make sure that I tinsel them with my grace. Hey, no getting rid of the gaps. I want to cover them in the snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white uh, as snow. Grace includes us in his family. Uh, Number two, grace involves us in his ministry. But number three, don't miss it. Grace instructs us in his purity. Grace instructs us in his purity. Uh, He wants to include us where we are. Uh, He wants to involve us where we are. But he does not want to leave us where we are. His grace is what changes us. His grace is what transforms us. His grace is what renovates us to be a usable vessel for him. By the way, someone that would say, I'm glad you finally got to that point, may not totally grasp God's grace. Because God doesn't start with that point. God starts with loving the unlovable. Showing mercy to the fallen. Showing grace to the incredibly sinful Uh, And it just so happens that that grace is what also inspires us to live a holy life of virtue to the glory of God. Titus. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, the grace of God does that, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. What can take a Rahab from the house of a harlot to placing her in Hebrews' hall of faith? It's the grace of God. What can take a a Simon Peter that that falls and stumbles and says the wrong thing uh, to preaching Pentecost and writing to epistles? Boy, it's the grace of God that does that. A David... Uh, that premeditated that murder, uh, a David, uh, from being that to being called a man after God's own heart. Boy, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Verse 21 in our text, Matthew 1. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, Isaiah 61. The two images I want you to get out of Matthew 1. First words God says after 400 years of silence. The first message God gives introducing the New Testament is this message of grace. This message of grace. And the two pictures I want you to take home is it's a family portrait. It's a family portrait. But then also it is quite literally a family tree, that first Christmas tree, a tree. Uh, Isaiah 61, God's grace. 
Isaiah 61, Christ claimed it when it says that he'll bind up the brokenhearted, broken branches, verse 1. He'll proclaim liberty to the captives, open prison doors to the bound, comfort them that mourn, verse 2, give beauty for ashes, verse 3, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, verse 3, end of that verse, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. When he takes that Charlie Brown Christmas tree, boy, it was terrible. Uh, and turns it into a giant redwood of California, there's only one person that can get the praise, and, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love. Well, he handpicked every single person uh, in his family tree. Uh, he selected, uh, excluded those he didn't want and included those that he wanted uh, and placed them in his family tree. It's that family portrait. Uh, when you're trying to get everyone in the frame, uh, I guess you don't do this anymore for pictures, you do this for pictures, but uh, you try to get everyone in the frame, squeeze in, squeeze in. Uh, if you can't see the camera, the camera can't see you, squeeze in. Hey, Rahab, quit hiding behind Abraham. Hey, I know that uh, you're still a little sore about me calling you Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot, Rahab. Hey, but get up front and center. Hey, I don't want you to hide behind. Make sure that people see you, not Rahab the reputable. Hey, stay where you're at, not Rahab the religious. Hey, I want Rahab the harlot to be in the front row so everyone can see that my grace is big enough for her. Hey, hey David. David the deacon, stay where you're at. I get that. You're, you're in the family portrait. I get that. It's David the murderer that I want to have up front so everyone can see within the first chapter of the New Testament that my grace includes them. My grace includes them. I want you, David, in my family. I want you, Rahab, in my family. I want you. I want you. And 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit of God, let him whisper to your heart, God wants you in his family portrait. God wants you in his family tree. God's grace is big enough for whatever you've done. God's grace is big enough for wherever you've been. God's grace is big enough. I don't care how unforgivable you feel. God's grace is so much bigger than that. And I love the fact that the first picture we see, that first, that first illustration he gives in Matthew chapter 1 after 400 years of silence is, hey, check out that broken branch that, that I included that gnarly branch that my grace is big enough to mend and bless. And if his grace is big enough for them, his grace is big enough for us. Lord, I do pray. I pray for the person in here that, that feels too far gone to be included. I, I, I pray for the one in here that feels like he's too religious and too clean to even need this message. God, they both need your grace. We all need your grace.
It's the door of grace that we enter. It's that, that door of grace that gives us access to our Heavenly Father. God, I do pray if someone's here just feeling like they couldn't possibly be a part, that your love couldn't reach them, your grace couldn't forgive them, that, Lord, I pray that you'll keep convicting and drawing and clarifying that if we could be good enough, Jesus wouldn't have came, come and died uh, on the cross for our sins. If we could be good enough. Uh, and if you could be too far gone, God wouldn't have taken the time. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us. Uh, all of us. All of our sin. Uh, all of our iniquity. Christ died for it all. Paid the entire price. The penalty... But he suffered it for us so that all we have to do is bow our head and open our heart and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord's even now saying, hey, you fit in my family. I want you to be a part of my family. There's a place around my table. I want you. My grace is big enough for you. Just call out even now by faith. Ask Him to save you. Place your faith and trust in Him. Begin a relationship with Him even today. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.